Hey, podcast, it's good to see you back here again. My goodness, I am so excited about bringing you today's episode. This is another really insightful look at how leading edge marketers are using what we call opti-channel marketing. Specifically today, we're going to be talking about how direct mail and digital work together to drive meaningful results. And it's an interview with Rachel Davies. She's the creative director over at Susan G. Komen and Marianne Gear, Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy at GPA, as well as Joe Manos here, the Executive Vice President at Mindfire. And what we do in this interview is I dig deeply into a few things around how Rachel and Susan G. Komen are combining direct mail in digital in a very specific way. And in fact, uh, we dig into how Rachel has been able to do this to drive a 30% increase in revenue, which is really remarkable. Also, we go into this kind of strange hook method that she uses to drive meaningful engagement across these different optimal channels. And so I think you're going to find that really interesting. I also go into new use cases and some surprising industries that are coming out of this pandemic period using direct mail to drive their recovery. A variety of industries, a bunch of different use cases. We talk about some examples of how those folks are doing that. And I think if you are doing direct mail or if you're a printer, an agency, a marketing services company who needs inspiration, who needs new ideas, wants to understand how others are making this work, then this episode is for you. All right, let's get started. Without further ado, what I want to do is bring onto the show today the three guests that have agreed to peel back the curtain on how direct mail is really making a significant impact in today's business world. So with us, we have Rachel Davies. She's the creative director over at Susan G. Komen, Marianne Gears, Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy at GPA, and of course, Executive Vice President of Mindfire, Joe Manos. And the way it's going to work today, the way we're uh, intending to bring this to you, is to bring the panel on one by one and uh, have them talk to you about the different ways that they're using direct mail or that they are seeing direct mail used in their day-to-day work. And so they each bring a different facet. They each bring a different angle. The goal through all of this is to help you understand the unique ways that direct mail is bringing significant business results for all types of organizations to spark ideas for you, to give you inspiration, and to help you see how folks are using it in a way that provides demonstrable ROI. Let me bring Rachel Davies on. And uh, Rachel, good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining the community today. Uh, Why don't you take a moment to tell us about yourself, your role at Susan G. Komen, and of course, tell us about the organization as well. Welcome, Rachel, to the show. Thank you. And thank you for having me today. So my name is Rachel Davies. I'm the creative director at Susan G. Komen National Headquarters. So Susan G. Komen focuses on breast cancer. And in 1980, we were founded by Nancy Brinker, whose sister Susie passed of breast cancer when she was just 36. And so what started with literally $200 and a shoebox full of names has lasted over 35 years. And we're now the world's largest nonprofit source for funding the fight against breast cancer. But what makes Coleman unique is that we really approach breast cancer from a 360 degree approach. So we focus on care, meaning patient care on community, what's happening in the larger U.S., but also in your smaller community, on research, of course, because that's the only thing that will cure breast cancer, and action, meaning advocacy, public policy, fighting for patient rights on Capitol Hill. To sum it up in in one sentence, at Komen, we're really focused on helping those who need support today while in tandem, tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cure. So my role is I'm the creative director for our in-house team. 
Of course, we work with a lot of outside partners on direct mail, and we're going to speak about that later, but I really run our brand presence at Komen. Design, photography, messaging, videography, all, all the gamut of that falls under my team. And again, thanks so much for having me today. Well, Rachel, you're unique in terms of the guests that we brought on the show because you're a brand, you're an organization that's combining direct mail and digital and doing it well and getting results. And a lot of the folks in our community are really thirsty and dying to know how does that actually come together? How do you actually make that work? When we were preparing, Rachel, when we were getting ready for the community today, you dropped a stat that was just mind-blowing. It's here on the screen. Tell us about that and give us some details around how you're actually making that happen. Yeah, like everyone, 2020 was just a crazy time. And particularly in the nonprofit world, when we rely on what we call peer-to-peer donations, which is like me me donating money to Komen and also corporate sponsorships. Bank of America, for instance, is a big corporate partner. And then everything halted. We, we had to do a lot of rearranging, a lot of relying on our own expertise that year, but I'm happy to say that it paid off because really doubling down on relying on the data, digging into audience and really combining our digital and direct mail efforts. There was a consistent message across both of those things. We saw 30% lift in 2020 and that's year over year from 2019. Wow. And just a one line summary is that I really think the combination of those things, it's not just in silos, that's what attributed to our success. So folks, let us know your specific questions. The way we're gonna run this is I'm going to, in a moment, moment here, I want to dig in a little bit more into what Rachel just said and get her to share some examples. So get those questions coming in, whether you're in LinkedIn, in Zoom, in Facebook, and my team behind the scenes is going to be pulling those. And towards the end of the session today, we're going to go through all of your questions. We want to make sure we get everything answered. Rachel, Marianne, and Joe have been very gracious with their time, and we want to make sure we get you everything that you need. So Rachel, like I said, our community here and I can see them already asking questions. They love seeing and hearing about real examples, tangible things that they can sink their hands into. So let's dive into what you just said a little bit more specifically. When you talk about coordinating your messaging and your brand across multiple channels, what does that look like and how do you do that? It takes some time, right? So part of the realization we had to make is that lead times for direct mail and literally what it's going to say, who it's going to, the visuals are a lot longer lead time, of course, from video display ad native marketing. So we had to really combine those groups into one department, which hadn't happened before and really back up our timing. So for instance, direct mail you're seeing right here says my moment of strength. Our brand campaign right now is called the moment that changed everything. The preface for that is because in an instant, your life or someone you love's life without cancer is over. Just yep. in an instant. So we're really focusing on this moment. So you can see this display ad in these moments. Make sure she's not alone. Below is a native marketing ad, which of course we all know is like placed content, right? Help end breast cancer. She drew strength from the love and laughter of her son. But then you see that also reflected in a tangible way in the direct mail piece, my moment of strength. And those were little cards that you flip over had a message from the person featured in the card. So that's what I'm talking about in multi-touch. So it doesn't have to be just a carbon copy all the time, but that moment's language, the photography, the feel of the campaign in general resonates appropriately per audience through all those pieces. I see Charles asking an interesting question. And if you're able to clarify this a little bit, when you look at your budget, let's say that you're allocating to marketing and you look at what 
you're spending on direct mail and then what you're spending on, let's say the digital components, roughly what's the split between the two? But depending on your audience size, <laughs> I think the split's probably half just because clearly you can, your digital media is going to go further for less money than your direct mail simply because of the overhead cost of it. So that may be a good place to start, but really you've got to just test it and figure out where that golden mix is for your audience. Okay. So it actually might be 50-50 in your case, you think? It could be. I don't can't say that's Komen's for sure, but off the top okay. of my head, it's probably a good place to start. And can you give us a, a helicopter view then of how the direct mail and how the digital work together in your overall marketing funnel? How do you look at your funnel? And then I also know that you have this unique, what you call your hook strategy, which is a really important driver in your communications. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell us how that informs what you do? Absolutely. So <clears throat> typically we look, we forecast out six months out, right? There'll be a six month overall strategy and drives from that strategy and a marketing strategy. The direct mail, the digital, the e-coms, the video, the interactive video, everything is included in that. So we can really look at them side by side and make sure that they're working together. So what I mean by funnel is audience funnel. So at the top of our funnel would be acquisition, right? Lookalike audiences, people that we know look like our good current donor base, but haven't engaged with Komen yet. So we're filling that top of that funnel with as many people as we can find. Now, as they start to engage with us, direct mail, digital, social, whatever that is, they go to this middle tier where we start to talk to them differently. Then as they engage more, they come down to this bottom funnel, which we call conversion. And that means they are making donations actively. We're considering them core donors because they're going to be repeat donors. And that's across any of the channels. You could isolate direct mail out that way, but really we look at our audience in this big top down funnel. Interesting. And then the hook strategy, how does that play yeah. into things? I don't know if it's an official term, but at Coleman, we call it a hook campaign, typically in nonprofits. So we have our moments campaign, which is our brand evergreen campaign. So that's always on, right? That's always on. Okay. Then we have a lot of opportunity for exposure during Black History Month, which is right now. Mother's Day, of course, October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we call those hook campaigns. So they may be a little lighter and they're really short. So for instance, for Mother's Day, you'll see a moment with mom. It's in full color. It's not the black and white. It's a little more cheery. It's really focused on that day. So that may be like a two week period. So that's what we call a hook campaign. That's kind of calendar based. Got it. Makes sense. And when you do this, whether it be in digital or in print, what kind of or what level of personalization are you using in that communication? So that kind of goes back to the funnel too. So if the slide, if you could go back one slide for me real quick. So this would be like an acquisition funnel, right? Okay. Letter, okay, usually from our CEO. She happens to be a breast cancer survivor herself and has a really compelling story. So we like people to know that up front. A, help, uh, a label appeal, people love labels no matter what you do in our audience. But what I say is keep the cost down. Acquisition here, you don't know if they're gonna engage or not. Don't overspend here. You're getting attention and you're letting them know your story. Then you deep into, if they've engaged some way, then you can dive into personalization. So what we mean is you can see this is a folder example, especially, you know, prepared especially for Ms. Rachel Davies, personalizing to them but also personalizing to the story. This was a postcard that went with that. The lady on the front is Kristen Harris. She has metastatic breast cancer and is one of our executive directors. So on the back of that postcard is her story. Acquisition equals talk about your mission. 
what do you do in general? As you get through the funnel, it's got to become more personal to the donor, but also that's where your personal stories start and you can uncover more of the mission activations, that 360 thing I talked about. That's where you start drilling into those stories. And I see Brian ask this question, it popped into my head as well when you were describing your funnel. So when you're employing direct mail, and you're coordinating, coordinating that with digital, are you actually hitting the same people, let's say in Facebook, that the direct mail pieces are going to? We don't always know that. So that's uh, that's not an exact science, but what we are looking at are the same attributes. So okay. in our case, our big base is women over 55 who have showed interest in health, that type of stuff. So we can't really do a one-to-one, but we can make sure that lookalike acquisition funnel has the same similar attributes. Got it. And tell us what we're saying here on the screen. Yeah. Again, with the personalization, I mean, our direct mail tends to be pretty simple. We're not, you're going to see some awesome, really fancy stuff from Marianne in a minute. Yeah. From our case in a nonprofit, it's not overly engineered. It's just really personal. So here's some things that worked well testing for us last year. Because of you, is just a postcard, but on the back has a nice message from Komen. And you can feel like we're saying that to you, or you can mail that to someone else. Same thing with thinking of you. It has a nice little message on the inside, but they're just cards that you can send to someone else. This is a nice magnet that everyone loves that they can proudly wear it or proudly display it. So the thing about these pieces though, it's all the mindset of the brand keeps going. So we're thanking you, right? We're making you feel important and we really are very grateful for your donation, but then we're giving you this opportunity to send the brand and send the thanks to someone else. So it doesn't have to just end with the person receiving it. it actually has a chance to have a shelf life with yet another recipient. Folks, something I want to dig into here, Rachel, and then as you mentioned, Marianne's got some cool examples too, so I want to bring her on. One of the things that we notice and one of the things that we hear from our community often, especially from those that are in the agency or a commercial print side of the audience, is that as they look at organizations like yours and others, direct mail is handled in one place in the organization, digital in another, maybe email can even be uh, yet in another silo, so to speak. Is that how it looks in your organization or do you have a different way of coordinating across these different channels? So in our organization, everything is under the marketing umbrella, right? <laughs> so as a creative director, I'm the creative director for direct mail and digital and email. So while we have dedicated people on our staff who manage each of those channels and manage them well, all of the creative direction, all of the comms, so the comms director, who's like my counterpart, she's in charge of messaging for each of those things too. And it wasn't always the case. And we made that switch at Komen about a year ago and it's paid off tenfold because in a couple ways, one, it's just easier to have a consistent message that way if you're housed in one group. Two, it's a lot less redundant. If one leader is leading all of those things, even though they may be executed by different experts on the team, sure. you're not working over and over. And again, all of our, all of our direction is based on the strategy doc. So that is really the top. And that's what the arms of the different media outlets all drive from. So this strategy doc is what everyone is reading off of. So literally everybody is reading off the same page. Yep. And it takes, and it takes a lot to get it perfect. The strategy takes a long time. We're all putting in our thoughts and agreeing, but it's well worth it because then it becomes your playbook. And yep. because you've gone through those conversations as a team, what's the CTA? What's the goal? What's the ROI goal? Like really set out those hard goals in conjunction with the creative direction and the messaging tone, the stories we're gonna feature across 
all channels. Getting that set is invaluable because then it becomes a matter of executing as opposed to reinventing all those things in each channel. So Mary, I'm going to bring you on here in a second, so get ready. But I have one more question for you, Rachel. You mentioned that you're giving your revenue increased 30% year over year. So that would be 2020 over 2019 by chance. If that is something that most 501c3s, most nonprofits saw last year, or are you atypical in that growth? We feel very fortunate and it all comes down to people really believing in the cause and wanting to make a difference. Thank you for sharing all of that. I sure. see all of the questions coming in. Thank you for sharing so freely. We are going to get a bunch of questions back to you here in just a minute. I'm going to bring up Marianne Gears from uh, GPA. I want to bring you into the conversation now and uh, have you share with the audience a little bit more about some of what you're seeing from your unique vantage in the market around how direct mail is driving unique business results. But before I do that, I want you to take the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about GPA, about your role at GPA, in case there's somebody here, the one person here who doesn't know who you are and what your company does. Awesome. Thank you, David. Mary Ann Gears, 21-year veteran at GPA. I'm responsible right now for our strategic approach to the market and also our marketing team. I do both. I do mailing and marketing, but I also have to look at the future and help our printers. What's interesting, we're an 80-year-old company, but we really focus in the innovation part of the market. So digital printing in particular and all the platforms is a big focus. We're a part of a big global group. We're a part of the Fedragoni group. And what that allows me to do in, in the team is to see what's happening globally in the printing and marketing industry and then bring that to our customers to help them grow their business. So I know that there's a lot of people who know your organization and uh, know how customer focused you are. And that's why I'm excited um, to have you share with us these interesting and unique examples that you've been able to pull from your work. And what I'll do is I'll advance to each of those examples when you tell me you're ready and just give us a little context about each of them. The, the purpose behind this is to spark new ideas, give you creative juice. And I want to hear from you as Marianne is presenting, which ones are most exciting to you. So with that, Marianne, here's the first example on the screen. Yeah. So Dave and, and Rachel, I love this because Rachel, you said that labels are a big part of what activates Susan Coleman. Uh, and one of the things that we do at GPA is sell a lot of labels. In particular, I love this. So all we do is, is send it out blank and it gets printed. This is one of our very good printers it used to be called oh. And this is a campaign they do at the holiday times that includes digitally printed pieces and then labels where it's encouraging you to be interactive with the direct mail piece. So I love these from the fact that it's a combination. It folds flat. You can see on the right, the little gingerbread house went flat. You pop that up and then you have this engagement. And Rachel, I think tying it back to what you're doing with Susan Komen and those labels just getting people involved. This is just a fun, great piece, a different idea. Dave, if you want to advance to the next one. Here's another one. With COVID, one of the big things that's happening in the marketplace is, is everybody working from home and also a schooling from home. I love this piece. This was actually for a software package for K-8 to learners. But what's cool about it is instead of just a standard direct mail, you'll notice rounded corners and it looks just like a laptop opens just like a laptop. Again, our, our uh, friends from Endpoint, this is a, a customer project that they did, but they're finding that using these in unusual shapes or ways that ties into the message really helps the return on investment and excite the, the customer that's receiving it. One of the interesting things from COVID for me was one of our vendors sent a package to me 
which included a clear plastic face shield, hand sanitizer, a, a stress relief piece, and a care package really was what it was. But uh, it's really exciting to think about the idea of using boxes and packaging to good examples. And what do you have here? Embellishments and digital embellishments are a huge trend. And what's interesting about the pandemic is, although a lot of people, especially in the hospitality industry, unfortunately have lost their jobs, there's still a lot of people that are working with no place to really spend their money, which is really challenging to say, but yet it's a part of the market. This here is a direct mail piece for Porsche. You can see, uh, we tried to do the best on the photography. This is from our friends at Skodix, the glimmer and the shine on this, but really this is to a select group of people. It's a high value product and it's also a high value direct mail piece that went out into the marketplace. And again, just different ideas that you can use to try to attract attention that are different than the standard postcard. When you're opening the package, again, and I love the geniuses up at Endpoint GLS. We work directly with their creative team, uh, oftentimes on our projects and they on the with us on theirs. This is fun because this was for a regatta and sales come up and they blow in the wind. And I love how that <laughs> comes up and blows in the wind and makes that happen. That's cool. And lastly, when we talk about the hospitality industry, and this is something that we're hearing right now. So I want you to pay close attention to this. The vaccines are out and people are going to start traveling again and people are going to start going to places. This is for a casino. This is a direct mail piece, as you guys know, very big in the high roller area. This has got embellishments. You can see black on black with gloss and gold. But I want you guys to think about this. The cruise ships, all those industries, they think the vaccine is going to be prevalent in the marketplace by the end of July. So these hospitality industries that have been dormant for a year are starting to come back to life. And we're seeing that in the order patterns from our customers <laughs> and the materials that they're ordering. This is a really great example. They have to both present that they're going to be secure, right? Clean and safe environments. These are pop-ups, two different ways. The one on the left, a little slider piece like magic, a rabbit pops out of the hat, which I love. But to the right, uh, a beautiful piece for HP where it comes out flat and it folds into a three-dimensional. So when you're thinking about direct mail and trying to get the audience attention, and if you think about it, because there's a lot of questions we're seeing both in the chat about how do you find people and are, are people really interested in direct mail? I will tell you that if you don't go anywhere and your trip to the mailbox is your number one trip for the day, getting exciting direct mail or any direct mail, or Rachel even talked about personalized direct mail, is a pretty exciting event. We're not going to restaurants. We're not going to movies. We're watching Netflix. When we're thinking about trying to engage the audience, you know, uh, this is just one way. You're right, Marianne. And, and what's interesting is that I noticed my kids are so digitally plugged in right now, but when the mail comes, it's actually an event. It's an activity. And it's cool to watch them engage with these different tactile experiences. They open up all of my mail. I never get it, but it's cool to watch them do what you're describing. And it is an event these days. I mean, we're really not going that many places. And so getting something cool in the mail is something that they definitely notice. So thank you for sharing all of those. What I want to do next um, is bring Joe Manos here to the show. And uh, first of all, Joe, I think everybody knows uh, you. Most people know who you are, but tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for the organization, and then let's look at some of the cool examples that you've brought to show everyone today. Yeah, for those of you who don't know me, Joe Manos, I've uh, been with MindFire for 15 years. First 13, I was driving sales. The last two years, we started focusing more on our customer base. And so now I head up our customer success program 
program. We're doing some amazing things with customers of all sizes. Most marketers don't know what they don't know. And what we're doing is bringing new innovative ideas to help them grow and thrive in a changing world. For those of you who don't know MindFire, we're OptiChannel. That may be a new phrase for you, but all things marketing, our technology is knows no limits. And we'd love to share some of the innovative things that our technology will do for you. We also have an in-house agency that is designing some amazing programs in partnership with our customers. And the theory there is that not all customers have all the resources they need internally. So go ahead and partner with your partner and let us help you achieve success with all your customer needs. Joe, I know you pulled some examples here. I'm going to bring those up here. Tell me when to advance slides and share away. What do you have for us? Yeah, so this first one is really off the charts from an innovation factor. For most of you that are on the call today that remember floppy disks, we partnered with one of our longtime customers, Toolbox Studio, CC Smith, and we created an innovative program. And I'll hold the, the piece up. And uh, as you can see, it's in the direct mail piece. And it says floppy disk. You pull out, it has the, the marketing messaging piece with a personalized URL that drives you to a personalized landing page. It gives you an opportunity to get a gift card and learn more. And yes, indeed, it does also include a real live floppy disk. So successful for CC that McKenzie took the idea and we applied it to our own marketing and uh, had an unbelievable success. In fact, one of the VPs from Microsoft at the conference said it was the most innovative direct mail program you've seen in the last 10 years. So congratulations to CC. Again, we helped them with it. Just a great example of innovative direct mail that drives results. You okay. know what's funny, Joe, is I didn't know you were going to present that until yesterday when I saw it here. But this yeah. morning when I got out of bed, I looked on my nightstand and what was sitting there? This example, I have no idea how to end up there. I don't know how long it's been there, but it made an impact, obviously, on me. Here's another great retailer, Best Buy, and they traditionally do inserts in the newspaper. But as we all know, personalized direct mail is much more effective. Joseph, let's put home goals in motion. And they stopped doing single page flyers and went to the expense of a seven page direct mail piece. Now I'm a loyalty member at Best Buy, and I don't know if all members got the direct mail piece, all their residents, but certainly they know their loyalty members spend more and spend regularly. And we all know that anybody in the marketing field, when it's personalized like this, you get more eyeballs on the piece. So another great example of folks pivoting. This one though, being a big BevMo uh, fan, this one is my favorite. Let me tell you why. BevMo- you like to drink. Yeah, exactly. BevMo used to do their direct mail insert in this pile of crap I have in my hand that showed at my mailbox last night. And they used to have an insert here that talked about their new innovative this week specials. But when COVID hit, they pivoted and said, we may lose people at the store. We may not get eyeballs on that. So they came out with a 12 page flyer that's personalized. And in fact, it's got my favorite, a coupon. And when you go in the store, you typically see some great wines that you've spent $25 for a bottle and you get the second one for five cents. So that's why this coupon matters. In addition, talk about pivoting. They now have two-hour home delivery. So today's Friday night. You realize you're out of wine. You don't want to get in the car and drive over to BevMo. So what do you do? You pick up the phone, place an order, and they deliver it on your doorstep in two hours. When you talk about direct mail and the impact it's having in the industry and pivoting based on COVID, these are the type of real-world strategies that are being executed 
and I could go on for hours with others. Next up. All right. This is one of our innovative customers who's on the call today, Dennis Riggs. He's an idea guy from Promotional Spring. And if you want some great ideas and help in creating amazing programs, this is his Pi Day piece from last year that we partnered with him on. He did all the amazing stuff with his Pi Box. But when you open up the Pi Box, guess what's inside? He's educating all his customers on the different substrates that are available. There are pieces of pie in the pie box. Cool. And some of these are GPA substrates. And he's got an example and an explanation on each of the pieces of pie in the box. So if you want help for innovative products like this, Dennis Riggs is your guy. He is an idea guy that can help you with some of these innovative solutions to target to your customers to open up doors of opportunity. Next up, and this is another Dennis Riggs original targeting C-level folks, the box, the eyeball box sent to key decision makers inside included a personal letter from Dennis with an innovative program that we helped them partner on, an Amazon gift card for answering a couple questions about the pop new whole nine yards as far as an overview on some of the uniqueness factors that Dennis and his team offer, plus the connection to the Amazon gift card and Dennis's personal business card. And these are the type of innovative approaches that can take a direct mail piece or a direct mail program and take it to the next level. And I applaud Dennis. He is an idea guy does amazing work for his uh, b2c customers his, his large brands and like i said this from the heart he can help you if you're looking for some great dimensional pieces and ideas dennis and his team at promotional spring will be more than happy to help shoot me an email and here's my favorite today rachel spoke about the good old labels i'm a label guy and i like labels and here's the heart labels from susan coleman and there's my check for a hundred bucks to say thanks for joining us today rachel i'm a regular giver a hundred thousand joe isn't it a hundred thousand it is a hundred thousand yeah what happened to the account number how come that's cropped out because I know some of our customers would like to have access to my account, definitely crop that out. But again, I, I would, for those of you that work for not-for-profits, I will tell you this, I'm coaching our customers in the not-for-profit segment all the time on this. Donations are very personal and we all have a lot of different opportunity to give to different areas of interest. So how you connect as a not-for-profit in telling your story, creating the uniqueness factor, the personal connection with your target audience is essential. And so if Many, any of our customers on the call today or prospects work with not-for-profits and you'd like some innovative approaches, I'd be happy to talk to you because I spent a lot of my time working with not-for-profits. That's all I've got for today, Dave. Which one of those was your favorite? Which one gave you some inspiration, some new idea, something that you can take to your customer? Or if you're a brand, something that you might be able to use to engage? What I'll turn to now are some questions that came in from all of you. And we're going to do our rapid fire part of the show here where I'm going to bring them up on the screen, picked from the questions that you all have asked, and get Rachel, Marianne, and Joe to give their two cents and then move on to the next question. We're gonna to try to do as many as we can here in the next few minutes. Paula said, how well does direct mail work when most targeted B2B prospects are working virtually from home and their email boxes are full? Marianne, let me turn that one to you because I'm sure this is something you wrestle with. Thoughts on that? Yeah, we wrestle with this every day. When COVID hit, how do we do this? And a couple things. One is that the message that you put out in the email has to be engaging. We play a lot with our titles and our subject lines and making sure that we do that. The other is inviting the customer to tell us where they are. That was one of our biggest challenges, customers to... <laughs> 
to tell us where they were and then keeping that private so that we could give them those information. And then we do, this is a really good example of a targeted, we did a 14 days of love campaign. And if you engaged in it, you would get a little kiss cut sticker with a gold heart and some information on product. But that's really the way that we did it. Got it. Very helpful. Carlisle is asking, what's the number one thing you'd say to a traditionally high volume direct mailer that is decreased volumes due to the pandemic? Really interesting question. Rachel, I'm going to turn that one over to you first. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. I would say number one, I don't think that pushing your volume down is a bad thing if it's in the spirit of really clean acquisition lists and converting lists. So in other words, it's better to buy 100,000 names that our lookalikes or that you've done your due diligence know that they have the propensity to do the action you want. It's better to have a hundred thousand of those than 200,000 that kind of loosely fit. I would say that dropping volume is not the end of the world, but it has to be done in a data driven way, not just in a drop to drop way. Carlisle, did I, it looks like I got your name. I'm curious if you're looking at this through the eyes of a commercial direct mailer, or if you're looking at this through the eyes of a brand that has dropped volume, commercial direct mailer. Okay. So I think Rachel's answer to that question is insightful, but specifically from the eyes of a commercial direct mailer, Marianne, what are your thoughts on that? How would you advise somebody who's seen their volume go down, obviously over the last year, what coaching would you give them? From our side, and you saw it represented in a lot of the unusual pieces that we had, and and this ties into what Rachel said, when you reduce down that list and get it more finite, you're able to spend a little bit more money on the uniqueness of the substrate or the print technique or something to draw the attention. So what's interesting to me, and we're partnered with all the OEM equipment manufacturers, there's been a rash of high volume direct mail sheet fed inkjet equipment and digital equipment that is being sold in the middle of the pandemic. And it's all for direct mail applications. So I would say narrow down that list a little bit more and then pick something different. I I saw one of our customers talk about our pearl stock that they run through their Xerox, things like that would maybe attract a little bit more of that attention. And so maybe the volume is down, but the, the quality of the piece is a little bit higher. Carlisle, for you and for the others who might not have been here last week, I don't know if you were here last week. We had Andrew Edinger from the Best Postcards on the show, and they're growing somewhere around 20 to 25% month over month with direct mail. So if you want insights from another organization that's making it happen, maybe check that out, and we'd be happy to connect you with him as well if, if he might be able to provide you some insight. Here's the next question from how do you determine who you're mailing to? What demographics do you consider? For example, age, income, interest, et cetera. Rachel, let me turn that one over to you. How do you look at this? Sure. Whether you're a, a nonprofit or not, you start with who's your most profitable customer or donor, whatever, and who's engaging more and more. So you have to analyze what's working for you first. And I've said the word lookalike a lot, but that's how you get to those lookalikes. For us, for instance, our kind of target or the people that we see interacting with Komen often are women from 55 to 75 in major metropolitan areas with a combined household income of 75,000 or more. So that's, Hmm. then you start layering on Do they have humanitarian interest? Are they interested in healthcare? Then you start to get into the interest level, but the very basic start with what was working for you. Tucker asked, in what ways do you utilize other touch points to complement direct mail instead of compete with it? Marianne, from the work that you do overlooking service providers and brands across the world, how do you look at this competition issue? Yeah, so we don't look at it as a bad thing. 
We just look at it as, as more to spread the message and get there. So we have found during COVID, at least in the B2B space, social media has skyrocketed. And we've been able to touch more C-level connections through there and other customers. So we use that. The other thing that we're doing is just like this, Dave, webinars, educational formats, just thinking a little differently outside the box. So we don't look at it as a competition. We look at it as a compliment along the way. Rachel, what would you add to that? Yeah, I would say Echo Miriam's thoughts. It's all about compliments. So in a real tactile example, maybe we would talk about a survivor, Anna Rathkoff, who happens to be a survivor who has a really compelling story. So her story may be, she's photographed with her son from the earlier examples. Maybe her long form story is in direct mail, but then in social, we're also going to have her speaking to the donor directly. Then an interactive video, maybe it's the PSA that also tells her story. So it's this consistent story, but not just told as a cookie cutter way. It's really pulling out aspects of the story that may resonate for folks, depending on the media. And when we talked about this before the show, you used the term surround sound. And I thought that was a really compelling word picture. What do you mean by we live in a surround sound world these days? Yeah, just because we're so inundated with information, but nobody is getting their information from a single source. So they're not just reading their email and not paying attention to social, or they're not just looking at their mail, but not on Facebook and online shopping for something and being served digital ads. So when I say surround sound, it has to be multiple touch points for people. That's when your message and the action you're trying to compel really starts to seep in when they start to get it literally in a 360 situation. Got it. I also think just jumping in here real quick, I think Rachel said something five minutes ago or something that really speaks to this, right? So this person asked if it's competing. And one of the things that I heard from Rachel, which was a big takeaway is that everything starts from a strategy doc, right? And so when you start with that strategy doc, your messaging is outlined and it's laid out so that no matter what the channel is, the message is cohesive. So rather than it being a competition, as she said, we used to have them under different umbrellas, but we actually took all of our marketing and communications, we put it under one umbrella. And the reason we did that is so that each team didn't have their own communication silo. We're starting from the same strategy doc, the same messaging, the same core information that no matter where it's shared, what channel, it's that same message. So I think that also really helps with that message being cohesive and complementary versus competing with one another. I see your hashtag surround sound, maybe hashtag surround sound marketing. Maybe that's the new one that comes out of today's event. Uh, Rachel, this one comes from Ann. I'm going to direct it at you because you've talked a little bit about this today, obviously. When integrating social media campaigns with direct mail, how does it affect response rates? It's hard to do a one-to-one. It's hard to say because of, we've had a hard time saying because of social, it's going to affect it like 13.5%. So that Uh number is hard to get to. However, it goes back to reinforcing those stories per audience. So our audience is very heavy on Facebook. Facebook's users skew a little older and our audience skews a little older. So we know they're on Facebook looking at photos of their kids and their grandkids and their friends and they're in Facebook groups and that kind of stuff. So if we know they're there telling stories that complement what we're also applying in direct mail, again, just helps amplify the brand awareness and also is a good chance to dive in deeper too. When I say Komen, an aspect of Komen is about care. What does that mean? It's 
about patient care. This is how we helped Sally actually get a bus card to get to treatment because otherwise she wouldn't have. So it's really drilling down into those more personal examples of how our particular business is helping our, our community. Social is a great place to do that. Where in direct mail, sometimes that's a little harder. Joe, I think I'm going to address this next one to you and maybe Marianne, because we have a lot of commercial printers with us here that are doing direct mail. And uh, this one comes from Farley. He says, I hear about direct mail growth in the industry, but I'm not seeing it outside of nonprofits. Am I wrong? Joe, from your vantage point, what are you seeing? Yeah, I work with a lot of customers, small, medium, and very large across brands, B2B, B2C. And my simple answer is, Farley, that depends. It depends on the company. It depends on who's talking to them. And But I am seeing increases in a number of both uh, B2B and B2C. I showed you a wonderful example of BevMo that went from zero to a thousand miles per hour overnight. And we're also seeing a B2B because businesses are getting back to business. And the number one need of all businesses in today's world is revenue acquisition. So I've seen a lot of new programs focusing on recapturing revenue and helping customers get back into engagement with their customers. Because guess what? Email inboxes are overflowing with unread emails. Yep, yep. What about you, Marianne, from your vantage, you get to see part of the supply chain, if you will, in terms of what's being manufactured. Is what Farley's saying true or is there something else going on? There's pockets of the market, David, and team that are really growing like crazy. Uh, A really good example of it is, did you try to buy a Peloton last year? If you bought the Peloton last year, you waited a long time for a Peloton. So I think where we're seeing the growth is in those key markets. So I'm going to say any kind of sporting equipment, furniture. I've gotten more catalogs for furniture in the last year than I've seen in two years. And why is that? Because these people are spending it because they're staying home. We're not necessarily going to the stores and browsing. And so they're trying to do this second channel other than the looking at it on the online portal. Again, hospitality, which used to drive a lot of it was pretty quiet for a period of time. That's going to come back. The real estate industry, real estate, Dave, you and I were talking about it earlier. That's going like gangbusters, no matter where you are. So we're seeing it. So I think it's more the market. This question's come in quite a bit. And we got this last week. We've been hearing this over the past few weeks. I want to hear from Joe. I'm getting pushback because of the terrible USPS service. First class deliveries taking weeks. Standard mail taking forever. Is this just me? Joe, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. It's a problem. And it's not one region. It's across the U.S. I've spoken to numerous customers. In fact, I had one of my best customers East Coast yesterday that I had a planned meeting that I was trying to show him some new things to take to his customers. And for 30 minutes, he was on a rant about USPS. He had meetings with the entire senior management team from USPS, said, you're costing me money. I'm going to have to refund fees back to my customers. They don't care that you guys are having challenges. And USPS said that we had to make a decision. We could be slow for the rest of the year, or we could just basically shut down some mail, not get it delivered in order to take care of the masses and get caught up. Can you believe that? If you're one of the the direct mail customer programs getting shut down, that's over there in the corner, not going to be delivered. It's an issue, Dave. And that's only the Eastern region. I'm sure each region has its own pain points, but 
be proactive. Get out in front of it. Talk to your local USPS and get out in front of it and track mail. Yeah, it's a tough challenge. We actually are getting some folks from USPS uh, on the show here in a couple of weeks. That's certainly something we'll bring up. If you're looking for some tangible next steps, this opti-channel idea using direct mail and digital, or maybe one of the cool ideas that Joe or Marianne shared, if any of those spark something for you, maybe illuminated an opportunity in your mind, let me get you some help in terms of how you can take that to the next step. I'm tell you more about that in a second, but I don't want to forget something else that's really important uh, given Rachel's attendance here today. If you or someone you love needs support or education around breast cancer, if you'd like to learn more about how to get involved, maybe to help fight this deadly disease, also want you to reach out to Rachel. She's really easy to find on LinkedIn. Connect with her there. Say, hey, saw you on the show, loved what you did, loved what you presented and want to get involved or just encourage her, just say thank you. I'm sure she'll love to chat with you. Connect with her, get involved in this cause. Obviously, you can always go to uh, Komen.org. You can search that or you can find it. And there's also a helpline, McKenzie and uh, Suze. If you don't mind, drop that in the chat, 877-GO-Komen. Uh, that's another way that you can get connected with the organization. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. Thank you, Rachel, for what you do and for what your organization does. And folks, get involved with the organization if it tugs on your heart and somebody in your family has been impacted or if there's something there that touches you. But back to the business stuff at hand here. If you're looking at strategically, tactically, how to apply this stuff, here's what we've got lined up for you. As I said, we've got a group of people here who are going to put time on the calendar. We've already blocked it out for you so that we can talk one-on-one -on -one to help you take the next steps and learn how to apply this in your business. Suzanne, Mike, and McKinsey are going to drop this URL that you see here on the screen into the chat. The spaces are limited in terms of when we can chat. First come, first serve. Take a spot if you're interested. And what we're going to do on that call, because we have a lot of different types of people here, this is for you if you're a B2B or a B2C organization, no matter what you sell, no matter what you do, if you're in cause marketing, if you're in lead gen, whatever it is that you're doing and you want to improve your results, you want to do the types of things that Marianne or Joe or Rachel have shown you today and you need help, let's talk. We'll pull in the right MindFire experts, the right GPA experts to help you understand how to take that next step. When you fill in that form, when you go to that URL that the team just sent to you, make sure to let us know what type of question you have, all right? Tell us what type of uh, thing it is that you want to learn so that we can get you with the right people. Secondly, if you're a printer or an agency or a marketing company and what today has inspired you to say, hey, I want to start to offer these kinds of solutions to my customer, but I've got some questions. I want to figure out how do I actually connect direct mail and digital? What kind of technology do I need? Then that's something that we can talk to you about as well. We'll figure out how you can do it, how you can offer it to your clients and whether you can do it profitably. On that call, just real briefly, what we're going to help you do is get very clear about what it is that you want to do. We always start with trying to understand what your objective is. Give us a clue when you fill in that form so that we can get you connected with the right people. And then second, our goal is to help you get an idea of what specific next steps you can take to achieve what you're looking to do. Really trying to help you get where you want to be in the shortest amount of time. And you have a lot of expertise here between what Marianne has provided, Joe, and a whole slew of experts here on our team that will help you get there faster than if you try to go on your own and maybe fumble through some of these steps. All right. Well, you don't have to worry about that now. You can talk to us on the call about that. Again, here's the URL. Uh, McKenzie, if you don't mind, Suzanne and Mike, drop that into the chat. I give you permission to turn me down. Go over there, fill it in. Like I said, you'll see a form that comes up. And uh, if you're thinking, I don't know if the stuff that I'm seeing today are things that me and my organization can actually do, or it's not a fit for me, or it's out of our league, because maybe we've tried direct mail before and it hasn't worked, or we've tried digital, we've tried pearls and 
nothing happened. Or if you're a service provider, maybe you tried selling these solutions to your customers and it didn't work, or you're too small, you're too big. That's okay. That's why we offer a variety of different solutions. Not every solution is for everyone here. There's multiple ways that we can help, different configurations. And so when you go to that URL, this is what you'll see, little form like you see here, your name, email, phone. Tell us what you're trying to accomplish, specifically what it is that you want to learn. Specify that when you fill that form in, and we'll get that time for you. Now, I'm going to give my team another three or four minutes. Get ready, Mackenzie, Suzanne, and Mike. Let's get those questions curated. But I want to give you a few additional data points that I think are going to be helpful to all of you. Why is what we're talking about today more important than ever? Who are my data friends? Who, who here likes the numbers, likes the data? Let me know in the chat. Zoom, Facebook, LinkedIn. I saw all the hands go up there. This is from a study that Forrester Research and USPS Delivers recently conducted, surveying 324 of the top decision makers across four verticals, automotive, financial services, travel, and retail. By the way, for my service providers, do you service any of those verticals? Let me share some of the fascinating results that they found. By the way, if you want the full report, maybe we can make that available to you as well. Here's what they found. For example, cards dominate in the finance world, which is interesting. Email and travel preferred channel for coordinating activities leading up to the travel event. Across all of the industries, digitally enhanced direct mail was at the top of the innovations that these organizations are applying time and energy into. This is important if you're a service provider, a printer, marketing agency, if you're a brand, these are insights that you can use to inform your 2021 strategy and tactics around how you're going to be reaching and engaging your customers and prospects. I pulled some information for automotive. This is interesting. Mail gets nearly a third of the overall media budget. That's good. But Mackenzie, I know you mentioned a direct mail client that works in automotive a couple of weeks back. Ask the question, how do I get the other two thirds? How can I get more of that spend with OptiChannel, with this digital training software and skills that you can acquire? You have a chance at that other piece of the budget. Still in automotive, if you look at the screen here, the folks were asked what they're currently using and what they plan to use across these digital categories that you see here on the screen. Now, these are top marketers, okay? They're leading the way in helping their organizations embrace this technology. What about your clients? What about what I call the Fortune 5 million, the 5 million small businesses that are out there, right? They're not at this point. Opportunity is large and time is now. They're not nearly as sophisticated. And if you're a service provider, you have an opportunity to help. I thought this was interesting. Again, in automotive, marketers aligned mail with email as a digital channel most often. This is different across different categories, different verticals. Is that fascinating or what? If you're a nerd like me, this is the kind of stuff that I geek out on. If you want the full report, maybe we can make that available to you. Zoom, LinkedIn, Facebook, let us know if this is helpful to you. We'll see if we can get that over to you. My point in saying all of this, number one, if you're a service provider, think about how many clients you're underserving right now because you're not talking to them about these things. How many of them are struggling? I saw you mentioned that in the chat. Customers are struggling right now, right? How many are struggling right now because you're not incorporating digital and these other opti-channel techniques into the mix to make what you're doing more powerful for them? How many of your clients are not reaching their full potential because you're not at yours? Take an opportunity to learn this stuff. Second, if you're a brand and you're thinking opti-channel is a place that is going to help you get where you want to be, but you don't know how to take the next step, or maybe you've already taken a step and you don't know how to get to that next level. Don't be held back because of a lack of knowledge. We're here to help you. That's what these Friday live sessions are for. 
That's what the one-on-one time on the calendar is for. We're invested in helping you learn how to take advantage of these new strategies, modern marketing, to get the results that you're looking for. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Enough preaching from Dave. Let's get to some of those questions. Mackenzie, I'm going to ask you, and then I see Joe. We'll go to you next. Joe, Mac, give me the, the first question. That- a lot of questions about acquiring data, especially during COVID. So a few people said, hey, we're B2B. We are getting corporate addresses instead of home. So what are you doing to acquire data in today's day and age to get in front of the, the recipients that you want to target? Yeah, great. Let's direct that over to you first, Rachel. How do you do that? A lot of different ways. So there's really no silver bullet. We work with an agency that helps us pull lists, again, all based on interest. And we also do a lot of deduping, a lot of cleaning. It just has to be like this continual thing to weed out. Now we're not doing B2B, we're doing in-home. So that's like the number one factor to weed out as you're buying this list. But I would say there's just not one solution for it. You've got to go multiple angles and multiple and like four or five different sources to really get the best, cleanest lookalikes. Joe, what are your thoughts? How do you guide clients in that? Yeah, a couple of thoughts. We can do reverse IP back to the home address. It's not inexpensive, but it is very effective. So that's where you can find some of these names. You can also use social media for lookalike audience, start a dialogue, get them to a landing page on the Mindfire solution and capture that home address. I know GPA is doing some of that. So there's a couple of strategies that work real well. And can I add one more thing on that other topic you were talking about? And some of our customers saw their revenue drop last year and absolutely tell you all of our customers that are in the marketing services arena and offering it saw an increase last year. So there's a correlation there that is worthy of noting. Yep, yep. All right, Mackenzie, next question. What do we got? Okie doke. The next question is, this is specific to nonprofits. So I'm curious, nonprofits seem to use a lot of lengthy letters in their ask campaigns. Do you see those working more effective than postcards with a quick CTA? Call to action. Yes. And it always surprises me. We do a lot of testing, right? So we always have a control based on last year we knows works. And then we have these tests. And I always feel like less is more. So we should do beautiful postcards that say less as opposed to the letters, but they never win. The letters always win. And I attribute that to the age of our audience too. And the fact that I think, believe it or not, a lot of people are doing oversized postcards. So maybe a traditional personal letter speaks to the people we're going to. But yeah, it's a great question. And I'm always surprised in the testing that it wins, but it really does for us. I see a lot of people asking for the report with Forrester USPS that we've done here to understand how direct mail is changing the landscape. Joe, you want to Talk a little bit about how you're seeing QR codes these days. So I work a lot with not-for-profits. I'm going to tell you two things from a personal standpoint, when I give money, as well as a lot of coaching I've learned from other not excellent not-for-profits, don't always ask. I see a nice cadence between the ask and the thank you, and then updates on what's going on, Susan Coleman, what we're doing, so that you're not always asking with an appeal ask. Also, the other thing is, it's really important to make sure that you have a good track on keeping folks up to date on what you're spending the money on so they feel invested. And finally, I stopped giving to a very well-known charity because in December, I wrote them a large check. And guess what happened in January? I didn't even get a thank you yeah. first before they asked for the next donation. So thank your donors. QR codes, I know many of you think they're passe, but guess what? When the NFL, the NBA, and PGA Golf Tour puts a QR code on the TV station to get engaged, they're back mainstream big time. And we're Preach seeing it. innovative use cases for QR codes. It's the new uh, normal. 
In addition, for some of our folks that use personalized URLs quite a bit, we're also using digits, nine-digit unique codes rather than a pearl. If you want to learn more about some of those strategies around that, doing a lot of that on the financial services end, let me know. All right, Mac, what's the next question? Yeah, I'm going to get to the next question, but just really quickly, we were talking about direct mail, and Joe just made a great point about thanking your donors and keeping up that dialogue. All of these principles apply to social media as well. So when people are coming to your social media page, whether it's your personal or your business, and they're talking to you, they're interacting, they're doing things, they're downloading your content, they're sharing. You also want to apply that same philosophy, right? You want to thank them. You want to engage with them in social media. So I think it's important to remember that all these principles apply to any sort of communication that you're doing. For the next question, I thought this was a good one. So how important is repetition in your direct mail programs. I think this was geared towards Rachel, but anyone can take it. It's very important. So in general, depending on where you are in our funnel, you're gonna get a different amount of direct mail. But in general, we're mailing to people about once a month, which again, to me, when I started working with direct mail at Komen, seemed like too much, but it's really not if you look at the data. So people wanna know that you're engaged with them. To your point, Mackenzie, it's not always about the ask. So it's not always about a dire story and you're guilting them into things. Sometimes it's about just saying thank you for being a part of it. But the whole thread that ties it together is that you're if they're already a donor, you're recognizing their gift because the last thing people want to feel is that Joe sent us this hundred dollars. We don't even know he sent it. We don't know where it's going, which is not true. And so you want to make sure that you're expressing that into your donor. So I don't know. I think consistency is really important, particularly brain consistency, but how you're speaking to them has to ebb and flow over the year. So it doesn't just feel cookie cutter. If you're a service provider, and you want to figure out how to offer these types of integrated solutions to your client, or if you're a brand, B2B or B2C, and you want to be able to take that next step in integrating OptiChannel into what you're doing to engage your customers and prospects, we're here to help. Mackenzie, what do you see next on the docket here? Perfect. So the next question I see here, again, same thread is, how does age of the donor affect what you send in the mail? And then I'm going to combine that with another question that someone just asked, which is about how are you starting to market to new generations? How important is age and how are you starting to uh, capture the attention of the next generation of donors, let's call it? Yeah, just super important because you have to analyze people's patterns. How do they like to communicate? How much time do they have? That kind of stuff. That's why I think direct mail is alive and well at Komen. I've mentioned a couple of times our audience tends to scale older. However, do want to fill that funnel with the younger audience um, with awareness. So with us, it's a matter of the message is different. So instead of donate to the younger audience who may not have much to donate and maybe that's not in their wheelhouse, it's more about education. So it's about knowing your history, knowing your risk of breast cancer, check Working on the women in your life. Are they okay? That type of stuff. So the younger audience gets more of an education message because they may not know about Komen. While in some cases we're a household name, in other cases we're not if you're under 35. So it's really educating them about who we are in the younger audience. And then in the older audience, really talking um, about what they can do to support the fight. I have a question for the audience that's here, Mackenzie, as you look for the next one that bubbles to the top here. Here's my question for all of you. As you think back over the last uh, roughly hour or so that we've been here together, what was that one aha moment that you had, that one spark of insight or realization that you had that you're going to be able to take to your business, take to your work? take to what you do on a daily basis that maybe you heard from Rachel, Marianne, Joe, from McKenzie. We want to hear from you. And the reason why we ask you this, we're learning from you. And we want to know what kinds of things are going to bring you value every Friday morning when we gather here together. Mac, what do you see next on the list here? Yeah. So we talked a lot about combining digital and direct mail. Someone asked, 
asked, can you please highlight the specific digital channels that you're using in tandem with direct mail? So let's get really tactical here. What digital channels are you leveraging in your marketing along with that mail? Sure. A lot of Google display ads, right? So those are the ads where if you're on a website, they pop up on relevant things, right? Those are pretty basic, but we also do in everything we do static and HTML ads. So things that move and things that don't, we don't see that one overpowers the other in results. They're pretty even. So it's a good thing to mix in. Of course, social ours is mainly focused on Facebook. We also do interactive video paid TV. And so those are our main areas. Oh, what are you seeing as we help our clients combine direct mail and digital? What specific channels are you seeing in digital? We're seeing obviously an increase in social targeted ads, big increase in LinkedIn, newsfeed ads, of course, Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if all of all our customers know, but we are playing in the Google ad and YouTube ad world at Mindfire. If you didn't know that, reach out and I'll let you know how we're doing. I'm seeing customers start to adopt that as well. Let me think. I think those are the, the big ones that we're seeing. It's interesting for creatives. So not only are we working with the printers, but we're working with the creatives. And Rachel, you talked about that younger crowd. So Instagram is a big one. The yeah. stories, if yeah. you guys have noticed, and Dave, we learned this from you, the LinkedIn stories, the Instagram stories, they're very underused content. So when we're going after that creative mindset, it's that Instagram, Pinterest type of situation when we're looking at kind of the B2B, C-level or higher, for whatever reason, they're all living in the land of LinkedIn. So again, the story, if you haven't posted your own stories, I highly recommend dropping some things in there. It's the functionality could be a little better. We're playing around with it, but that's an area too. So I didn't want the team to forget those areas. Rachel, have you ever considered personalized video in any of what you're doing? You know, we haven't done it yet. Um, we don't, we haven't tended to go to the Pearl or the personalized landing page situation yet. Not that we won't, but um, no, it's not part of our current plan. Interesting. Mackenzie, what was the name we used to use? We've done personalized videos. So you're going to help me here because I'm getting old. There's a good service, Bonjoro, right? Uh, Bonjoro is um, something that we've often used. If you're not familiar with Bonjoro, it's a great little utility that uh, allows you to do what maybe what Paul's describing. Maybe for a smaller uh, nonprofit, it might work out. Basically, all you do is you install the app on your phone and it connects with your CRM. And then it gives you a really quick punch list of people on the screen. So like the first name might be Joe and it might say $100. And you hit a button, you record a really quick video. Hey, Joe, thanks for that $100 really means a lot to us. Obviously, you'd be more eloquent when you do that. You hit save and it automatically sends it out to Joe. So think about if you're a smaller a nonprofit and you're the ED, uh, what an impact that would make on your donors. Think about what Joe said. They didn't say anything to me. Thoughts? Yeah. And talking about digital and connecting with that younger audience, United Way, through one of our customers, really did great persona breakdown on older demographics, younger. And for all the young ones that had their favorite focus area, hunger helpings, hungry helpings, I should say. And Derek's a 25-year-old, lives on his phone. Phone, and how do we communicate? Thank you for the donation. Text message to the phone. Whereas Gloria, who's maybe 70 years old, sent in the, the mail piece. How are we communicating that? Again, the appropriate channel for her. All right, Mackenzie, what is the next question that you see here that you've been able to pull from the folks here? So one of them is a specific tactical question just for Rachel. I know you answered it, Rachel, but just to let everyone else share in that. When you do your print and mail, are you using one all-in solution, one print and mail house? Are you using multiple? How are you actually executing on that? We're using one. And so we work with an agency um, that helps us with comms and with 
the strategy for direct mail and the printing all at once. Most of that's driven by our in-house team, but we do work with an agency, but yeah, it's all housed in one spot. And uh, Rachel, I see that you just mentioned that you recently launched a TikTok channel, no donation based, but brand awareness. Tell us about that. I think people will be interested in that. Yeah, it was coming to mind when you're talking about channels and I forgot about it for a minute, but brand wise, we're a more conservative brand. So being on TikTok, we were a little late to the game on that, but we did launch and we're finding like, it's just creating tons of awareness. And so we recently did a love your ladies campaign for Valentine's day. And the influencer for that campaign was Betsy Johnson, the fashion icon, right? Super fun breast cancer survivor, like really into it. And just by tagging her, then we had all these other people come into TikTok. It's about 44,000 shares or something in like a couple days. It just went crazy. So again, it's not a real revenue driver per se, but as far as talking to that younger audience and, and adding a little fun to the brand, we've had a good time with it. That's fantastic. Mackenzie, what do you see next year? Those are all the questions that I have sifted through. There was a question there about year-end appeal. And I'm curious, Rachel, I know year-end appeal is a big part of your total donations for the year. I guess two-part question. One is, are you comfortable saying what percentage urine makes up? And does that change your marketing engagement leading up to it? And then the second part is, what's your strategy where after you've got that big urine crunch of revenue coming in, how soon do you reach out to those donors with another ask? It's a new year. Thanks for what you did. But We've got bigger budgets this year. You know, actually, I don't know the percentage off the top of our head. We're a little unique at Komen because actually our big donation month is October, right? Because it's National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So the challenge for us is if we've hit October big, then what do you do for Giving Tuesday and end of year? Because those have to be closely linked. So I don't know the percentage per se, but I will say we tend to go pretty dark in the ask in January through about February. It's a lot of thank you. It's a lot of gratitude. Our end of the year campaign also this year was very gratitude focused instead of that because we've done the big push just a a month before just by nature of October. I see a couple of questions that are really interesting here that just popped in. I think I'm going to address them to you, Joe and Mackenzie, just get your two cents on them. A a theme that I've seen as we've talked about QR codes is like, are QR codes really still a thing? And alongside that, are pearls, personalized URLs still really a thing? So let me start with you, Joe. You've talked about QR codes a bit, but what about pearls? Absolutely. And I would tell you that my standard answer to that is it's all in the creative, how you position it and the call to action. One of my biggest frustrations is some of our customers have a personalized URL. They have a 1-800 number and they have a website address. If you're going to execute effective marketing, you've got to create that compelling call to action that makes them want to visit that personalized site or the companion QR code because everybody's got a phone in their hand. It's easy to take a picture and say, I want, I do want that piece of content. I do want that gift card. I do want to learn more. So I think like anything, there's a big part of that. And then again, Make sure it is the sole intent of the response channel, not all that other garbage that doesn't really help. Mac, what are your views on that? I know you talked to a lot of new folks as they're coming into the MindFire family. You're on the front line, so to speak there. What do you say when somebody says pearls don't work or here QR codes don't work? How do you respond to that? Yeah, typically when they say that, I ask them when the last time was that they tried it. Yeah. Because I think that as marketers or whatever, we we get really focused on this is, oh, I don't use Facebook, so Facebook doesn't work for marketing. I don't use pearls, so pearls don't work for me. And I think that at the end of the day, as we say, the audience is the judge and the jury. So I wouldn't, before you cast judgment on something, focus on, A, what's the outcome that I'm trying to achieve? 
B, what are the steps that I'm taking to achieve that outcome? And C, let's go test it out so that we can allow the audience to actually tell us what works. There was actually, speaking of Andrew, who came on last week, he wrote a post on LinkedIn the other day that I thought was funny, where he was talking to a prospect and he said, hey, they said, oh, I don't think direct mail works. And, and Andrew said, okay, let's give some crazy offer away for all. And, and the person said, we can't afford to give that offer away. He said, the direct mail doesn't work. No one's going <laughs> to actually take, take advantage yeah, so what of are you that scared offer. About? Yeah. Exactly. So I think that it's really important as marketers always to check ourselves from separating what we think and what the audience actually dictates. Marianne's got to bounce everybody. I want everybody to thank Marianne. Marianne, you've been a great resource to us today. I combine those two words. Thank you for your time. We appreciate your expertise and your insight. I'll give you uh, 30 seconds to say goodbye to everybody here before you jump off. Yeah, David and the Mindfire team, and especially to Rachel Davies, thank you guys so much for today. Again, we're here to help during this time. If there's anything we can do, just hit me up on uh, LinkedIn and we're happy to be there. So thank you. Thank you, Marianne. Have a great rest of the day. Mackenzie, I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said. Last week, we did have Andrew Edinger, and we had two residential service providers, Tom Casey and Lou Habica, on the show. And I remember Tom said something that was really insightful. So for any of our friends here that are asking about QR codes, pearls, or even, hey, direct mail doesn't work anymore, his view, he owns a residential service provider. His view was something like this. I can, I'll try to summarize it. I'm not as eloquent as he, he was during the, during the show, but he said, look, if you suck, meaning if you crappy marketing, doesn't matter if you're using direct mail, if you're using Facebook, if your response mechanism is a QR code or a Pearl, if you suck, it's not the, the fault of the direct mail. It's not the fault of the QR code or the Pearl. You got to get up, walk into the bathroom, look in the mirror and say, you suck. That's what he told us all. And it was like, what? But he's right. He's right. So before you cast judgment, as you said, McKenzie, think about that. Tom's words, not mine. Go back and catch that if you missed it. What it would be quantity. And every bad has to be good, or at least messaging matters. I remember one of the posts he did, he was talking about the water cooler. And I, I replied to him and everybody's doing the tune-up and check this out. And what they should be talking about is a tune-up prevents you driving home from vacation and seeing a path of water come out your garage. And what do you have to deal with coming off of vacation? A water heater, failed water heater. How do you prevent that? You've got to create some pictorial experiences that people can relate to. All right, I have folks. a question for Rachel yeah. real quick before we go. Rachel, one of the things you said, and it stuck with me, is, hey, we plan at least six months out, right? So as we're sitting February 19th, 2021, you're obviously looking forward to February plus six months, whatever that month is. What are some of the things that you at your organization are focusing on? Are there any different strategies or tactics? What are you seeing in the future? Maybe get some extra insight here for me and for the others here. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we totally let the data tell us what to do. We meet weekly about what's working, not working. We do a huge deep dive across all of our other professional services groups bi-weekly. So we're just continuing to optimize. So it's hard for me to say, I know what we'll do in six months, but the planning comes in with the content. So I do know that a big focus going into the spring, we're going to be talking about Komen's patient-centered services, as opposed to focusing on research. That's another aspect of things that we do. So we really ground in that, create those messages, curate those stories, shoot that video, all of that. And then we can plug that into the tactics that are really working well for us. So it's like content, creative direction, planning about six months. Tactics, you've really got to be able to 
change your mind with a two week period. If it's not working, you got to pivot quick. And if you have that content, you can plug and play anywhere. Like you were saying, you just recently launched on TikTok, right? Like you were able to deploy on that channel, I assume, because you'd laid the foundation of the stories you want to tell, the things you want to do, the content that you want to share. And if there's a new platform that pops up in six months from now, you're ready to hop on that and plug that message in to share it on that channel. Absolutely. And it's an easier approach than trying to do both of those things at once. And it takes a while. If you're, if you're getting to the pre-planning six month stage, that takes a year of backtracking and moving back all those deadlines, particularly for us too, we're selling into a lot of corporate partnerships. So they have to have that timeline to see if, if our needs align with theirs. But yeah, the better you're, you've got it planned and the content sorted out, the easier it is to pivot when a new opportunity comes up media wise. Rachel, I know you have to drop off soon. So Rachel, thank you again for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. I'll give you some time here to say some thank yous to the crowd and uh, any last words that you have that you want to share with us all. Yeah, thank you. This has been fun for me. And I uh, like all the interactivity of it. I really appreciate the kind comment, the kind comments about Komen overall. And again, hit me up on LinkedIn for sure. But just thank you guys for all your attention today on a Friday. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Rachel. If you have to drop off, no problem. I'll hang back here for a few minutes with Joe and uh, McKinsey on the Mindfire side. All right, folks. I'm going to give uh, you, Mackenzie, the final word and Joe, and then we'll wrap it up. So Mac, any final words that you want to leave our friends with today? Not that many, just that number one, first of all, thank you for spending your time with us. This is really, we bring these presentations to you to help you with things. So if you have any questions, if there's topics you want to learn about, if there's anything we can provide you that's going to help you with your business, with your client's business, please feel free to reach out to us on any of the channels that you would prefer prefer your optimal channel. You can find us at all the places where you would find people. And yeah, just thank you again to Rachel, to Joe, to Marianne, to you, Dave. A great presentation. Lots of awesome examples. I know the audience loves that. So thank you so much. Hope you have a great day. Any last words from you, Joe? Yeah, I would just say again, thank you for being here. Great job, Mackenzie and Dave, as always, uh, MC. And, and I'd also say right now is the greatest opportunity period in the history of business. Everybody's recovering from COVID fatigue. They're looking for that silver bullet opportunity from you, their service provider, to walk in the door and help them grow their business. And you personally, shame on you if you're not running a self-promotion program to share the innovative ways you can help customers and prospects. And uh, marketers don't know what they don't know. It's your job to walk in the door, provide them with new insight that drives the results they see. So let's rock. Joe, fantastic job. Thank you for being here today. McKinsey, as always, thank you for imparting your wisdom with us. And uh, for all of you who are here, the biggest thank you we owe to you. Thank you for this community. Thank you for giving us your time this morning. And as everyone has said today, we want to be a resource to you. So if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. I'll look for the next event. We'll be sending correspondence out through all of the optimal channels as always. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. Have a day. great day. Stay warm. Bye. Bye-bye. You could go over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. We're still trying to figure out if this is the right name for it. We might go through a renaming. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. And uh, I would love it if you could email us, david.rosendahl at mindfireinc.com. If you're hearing this right now, so david.rosendahl at mindfireinc.com. Just send us a little note. Let us know if you found this episode valuable, if you found it helpful. And also let us know if there's anything else that you would like to hear about on the podcast. We're going to be investing quite a bit into producing these episodes for you. And I want to make sure they're delivering you value. All right. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Talk to you later.